Welcome to the Fallon Forum, broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the bastion of Midwest sanity known as the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Uh, Well, sanity depends on the day. Hey, thanks to our anchor sponsor, Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Central Iowa's premier good food store. Gateway brings together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. All right, so with me today, Dr. Charles Goldman. Hey, Charles, how you doing? Pretty good, Ed. Oh, you're just saying good, that. Good to see you back. You're just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the heat dome is finally arriving in the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in time we, for rag bar. Yeah, it was, we didn't want Arizona to continue to have all the fun. <laughs> but, well, I guess we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. We will get to that. We will get to that. Um, but you, uh, you've got some um, concerns about the slippery slope toward dictatorship. Well, I, I think, you know, more correctly, what I wanted to talk about is, you know, we hear a lot on, well, with every election, but especially, again, with 2024, since it looks like it's going to be Biden versus Trump, the way things are going. Um, That's my prediction, yeah. That, um, the, that this is an existential election. And, but, you know, it, it's kind of become almost a bromide. But I think there was a fascinating article about two weeks ago in the New York Times, and then I've subsequently followed up in other periodicals who have taken a little bit of different slant on this, something that actually came toward the end of the Trump administration, which actually would predict for what a, a autocracy slash dictatorship would eventually look like in the United States, at least a political dictatorship. Okay. Um, and the thing here is that the Times really didn't have to do that much investigative reporting because actually <laughs> the people around Trump uh, and, you know, the usual suspects, you know, guys like Stephen Miller, the guy ran OMB for him in the past, you know, um, are, are absolutely clear what they want to do. And I think it would be worthwhile to maybe flesh out, instead of just saying it's an existential threat, what would this look like? Okay. And, so what, and you're, you're referencing well, what the, what the by what Steve the, Bannon, Steve Miller. Well, Steve Bannon actually is not a big part of this. Steve Miller is part of this. But, you know, the the— this is all based on the idea of a unitary executive that is essentially a king. Yeah, yeah. Unitary is a very, very thinly disguised way of saying all the power goes to the executive branch. Right. And the basis of this is that it, in Article 2 of the Constitution, you know, it, it defines certain things that the president specifically does, but it's very vague on the rest. It says, you know, that the president will execute the taking care that the laws be faithfully executed. So, um, you know, going back to the time of Nixon and then forward, the Republican and conservative scholars, the usual suspects, you know, later on the Federalist Society, earlier on the Heritage Foundation, continuing to be the Heritage Foundation. Um, we, of course, they're, they're, you know, the fountainhead of wisdom, Anton Scalia, in a dissent, <laughs> in an administrative law case, started talking about the unitary executive. How long ago was that? This would be back in the 70s, really, pre-Reagan. You know, pre-Reagan. Scalia talked about unitary executive back right. then. In a, a dissent. Way, what, what, in a dissent. What, 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 what job was he? Was he a, I think he was a an appeals court. No, he, I think he was an appeals court judge at the okay. time. But it, the, the point was that, and it was, it was subsequently picked up by other scholars on that side of the political spectrum. And basically their argument is, yes, the government is divided into three branches. Mm-hmm. But basically the what the Constitution writers were you know, the, the landed white males with slaves, many of them with slaves who wrote the Constitution after Jesus gave it to them. 
Um, <laughs> so, um, was that on tablets? <laughs> no, that, those were, that was the old law. Oh, okay. <laughs> so hey, this was on parchment. This was on parchment. Right, That's good, correct. Good, good. Yeah. Um, so the, <laughs> they interpret that to mean that that basically the president assumes all powers that are not enumerated to the other branches, and that because the president is the one branch or the executive is the one branch that is there to faithfully execute the law that they that essentially all power rides in the president now, but what, what powers are not enumerated what, what, what does that mean the powers that aren't specifically laid out what, well, what, the, what could that be well the president can't for instance uh, allocate revenues toward projects right Congress does that right okay but, that's laid out but what, 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 that, what I'm saying, though, is is that Congress's powers, declaring war, you know, controlling the purse, are can be viewed as limited. And, and we're there, the, that's the first thing. The first thing as part of this program will be a challenge to the idea that the president cannot impound funds from Congress, despite they, they're being appropriated by Congress, that the president, as part of faithfully executing the law, cannot impound. Meaning redirect. It, it, correct. Okay. Just not spend them at all. Right. Or essentially, as you know, as the the House Republicans spend a lot of time doing, talking about defunding. Right. right? That you know they're going to take away the funding for specific things, which always are the same thing. But, but not the police. Not the police. The Republicans. They well, want, except they for the want, FBI. Yeah, they want except to defund the, the FBI. Right. right. So the, the first part of this triad program is is to claim the right to impound funds when it's being spent on any sort of social, you know, justice project. Or, so who, you know, who recently has proposed that? This is, no, this is what's out there. This is what is being talked about by these people around Trump. They're, right. I'm, I'm telling you, they are not hiding this. Okay. Now, that is directly, there was actually a law that was passed in the 70s that the president couldn't do this. They probably would lose on this if they even with this Supreme Court, even with the conservative court. Right. I mean, I don't think people I don't think people understand that in the first Trump presidency. They were trying to do a lot of this already. OK, so they're trying to do this. Well, wait, but, this is just one aspect of okay. it. That's not even that's, sure. that's the probably the least likely. But one. So so far, you don't have me worried about dictatorship. You're not making your case. Okay. Well, because you're interrupting before we talk about the triad. Sorry. So the second part Excuse of the triad me. is to reclassify most of the civil service in any decision making situation. In other words, they want to set up, you know, regulatory agencies that will be essentially like they used to be before Garfield was assassinated, before there was a civil service, which is you would just fill them sure. with partisans. Yeah. And if we remember the first Trump administration, the first requirement for being a leadership in a, in a regulatory agency was you knew nothing about the agency that you were heading and, and the, had the expertise. And, and you had to kiss his or, ring. Or, well, or, or some other part. Or your previous activities before you were head of the agency was to destroy that agency, like the guy they got from Oklahoma. EPA. For the EPA. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So that was that, you know. And essentially what they want to do is reclassify huge numbers of the civil service so they can be fired at will by claiming that they're in a policymaking position, Right. Right. And because if you if it, it, it is legal by previous decisions that if you're in a policy making position, then the restriction of, of being fired at will without cause um, does not apply. 
And so they would do almost, you know what this is like? This is what the, the various religious schools do, which is they claim everybody, including the person cleaning the you know, uh, church, are part of a ministry. And since they're part of a ministry... Because cleanliness is next to God. Well, whatever. But it's their way of getting around. That's how they get around the anti-discrimination things, to fire people. And essentially, this is what they would be doing. They would, they would go in there, and, and they're already amassing lists of the people who, or the positions. How do you know that? You've seen the lists? No, this is, this is out there. The this is, this is a project. There is, a, there is if, if, again, if you go back to the Times article, we're not going to go through word for word. They are, that is, there is, a, there is a sort of governmental project that's associated with the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're already doing. They, the transition team this time is going to be prepared. Right. So you think they weren't prepared last time? No, they weren't. They absolutely no. In fact, they weren't expecting Trump to win, and thus they didn't. Have they weren't expecting him to win. And, and interestingly, the history during Trump was that they lost eighty percent of the administrative law cases that were brought before the Supreme Court, and that was including a court that became very conservative, even mm-hmm. more conservative. But even believe it or not, Clarence Thomas voted against some of the things that they would bring before the court in terms of trying to already do this. This is before he started tapping into the... Uh, the, the he was large, already, large he was his, already uh, involved with Harlan Crow. Oh, okay, right. No. So the, the point is, is that this, of course, is the you know, Republican wet dream because it would eviscerate, it would eviscerate the agencies right. that create regulation. And, of course, it, it would put not... any restrictions on, on corporate... Correct. Know, right, and, and it would take away expertise... It would allow essentially pardon, you know, just patronage population of the civil service, and then, and then of course, what would happen would be if the Repub- if the Democrats ever won again, they would go back to the civil service because that's what Democrats always do, which is change the rules back to mm-hmm. the way they were mm-hmm. because they were seemingly fairer, and then of course these people would be stuck in the government because they wouldn't be able to get rid of them anymore, right? So the third thing they want to do is actually take away the independent status of certain parts of the government. Now, it's a real question, for instance, for, for instance, the Federal Reserve is almost fully independent. It doesn't report really to anybody. Mm-hmm. And the constitutional basis for that is pretty thin. Mm-hmm. So, um, but agencies like the Federal Trade Commission, the FCC, EPA, all these agencies operate in a semi-independent fashion at this point, Right. Because they are able to, to, you know, promulgate regulations that don't have to be okayed by the political overlords. Right. And what they would want to do would be to claim that all the status of these semi and independent agencies is anti is is unconstitutional, and that they should be put under the direct control okay. of the president. So if Trump is reelected, if he gets a Republican Senate, maintains a Republican House, uh, how quickly do you think? they can move to accomplish these things? Within the first year, because they're already very well prepared for it. And the other thing is, in all honesty, Trump doesn't care about any of this. Yeah, I was going to say, does, does he, Trump even understand this? No, no, he doesn't have to, because, you know, there's there's only three reasons that Trump is running again, okay? And sorry, to, MAGA people, to, to it's, not, it's not really to take care of your interests. To pardon himself. Number one <laughs> is to avoid either, right. Right, avoid prosecution or pardon himself. Number two is because his ego is, his narcissism is unbounded. And number th- three is, 
it's going to be the Trump revenge tour for four years. Yeah. He doesn't care about any of this stuff. I think stuff. there's a fourth reason, too. He'll make more money that, that way, too. No, he probably makes more money with his various defense funds, you know, than he does with <laughs> anything else. But the thing is, is that he doesn't care. But these things align with, because he's out there talking so about the deep state who's and everything the else. Who's pulling the strings? Trump is the puppet. Who's pulling the... Who really wants to see the unitary executive? Let me just say, who really wants to see a dictatorship? Well, it's, you know, it's not really clear that, that the, in this case, which I know, you know, you, you, you would usually default to this, it's not really clear that corporations would be totally happy if this is where things went, which then, of course, if corporations some, were, some, you would truly would have fascism. Some would be. Some would be. But yeah. I'm not sure that this is really necessarily the, the situation that corporations would feel that comfortable with. Because if you think about the expertise level of the people Trump had brought in previously, um, I mean, industries do need some sort of direction, some sort of uh, standardization, some sort of idea of what the future is going to look gotta like. There's got to be some regulatory framework through which any particular industry operates. That's correct. So it's like I mean, a football game without rules. Yeah. Do away with the face mask rule and see how well that turns out for players. So it's not really clear, and, and this was one thing that is absolutely unclear from the article, which is that a lot of this seems to be about very doctrinaire this, this very doctrinaire view of unitary executive theory that's kind of free-floating out there among groups that just are part of that far right-wing you know, element of the Republican Party. I don't think you can clearly say this is corporate money flowing in. I think there are other areas like, you know, maybe we'll talk about in the future about the third parties here that are clearly being manipulated by industrialists. All third parties? I would say no the labels. Green party? I would say no labels. The Libertarian Party? I don't know about... Well, How about Andrew Yang's forward party? Uh, Andrew Yang, probably not, but they are not saying a lot. I mean, we'll talk about well, that in the future. They're just saying a lot of nothing. They're saying a lot states. of nothing, and well, that's what No Labels is saying. They're, 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 their platforms are milk toast. They are centrist, and they bring in things from both sides, claiming that somehow that's going to be a way forward. It's too bad because I like, you know, I, I, I think the co-head of... Of Andrew Yang's effort is uh, Christine Todd Christine, Woodman, yeah, yeah, from New Jersey, who's a bright woman, and well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think there. Anyway, we're we. We've, well, let's talk about this down the road, okay. not not this time, because okay. I think it's, it is an interesting discussion. Right. But nevertheless, this is a situation where because Trump is so fixated on revenge against the deep state and all the people who've and you done put, these things. You put to deep him. state in quotes. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, right, it's, right, right, it's right. you know, well, and, and it's kind of like the Federal Reserve. You know, if you ever watched shows on the Illuminati and, and the Masons as the actors behind the mysterious actors behind the United States, it, the Federal Reserve is always part of this. I said I saw Nicol- <laughs> Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. <laughs> Does that count? I see you doing research for the show, Ed. <laughs> but my point is, to get back to what I started with, that in, 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 the truth is that all Trump, although Trump doesn't care, because his his motives are completely different. He is down with this program. Okay. And this is what your government would look like. Your government would look like something from the 18 mid 1800s in which the industries to some degree would basically run all these you know these kinds of agencies okay. and there would be nothing but can you imagine them bringing decisions to Trump's office that would involve technical issues on communication. I think in if he country. had a sharpie and a, and a, and a little uh, little drawing board, he'd be fine. <laughs> I, you know, it's just it to me, it's just frightening. Yeah. So, but but you're talking about a dictatorship that looks like the kind of a pre-regulatory, uh, you know, Wild West environment of the of the 1800s in the U.S. You're not talking about the dictatorship 
of, say, an Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, uh, Franco, Mussolini. You're not talking about that kind of dictatorship. No, no, no. I'm talking about you know, like, a, a, political, a political dictatorship in which there is n- it's not the people. Because remember, if Congress's powers are taken and given to the president, you're taking them from the people. The president it does not owe their power to the people in spite of being elected by the people one or twice, maybe. But Congress is well, really three, where three the people's powers it. reside. Yeah. And taking congressional powers, handing them to the president or the executive you know, branch, is actually reducing the power of the people in this country. Of course. Of in course a tr- absolute sure. true democratic sense. But you, know, you could argue that we're already well behind, beyond uh, any, any kind of a balanced... Uh, uh, you know, democracy. Uh, I mean, with with uh, gerrymandering, with uh, all the other types of voter suppression tactics in place. Yes, but there's still remnants of it, you know. And um, just one last example. Okay, so the you know the uh, student loan forgiveness, which went down in the Supreme Court. Within a month, they've come up with a plan that basically, actually, they should have started with, which is to point out that the way they've been calculating these loans has been incorrect for years. People, there are people who've been paying for 20 years who should have been given credit for repaying 10 years ago. You know, and it's going to accomplish the same thing without anybody else involved, without saying it's not fair to other people who pay. You know, do you think that would ever happen in a Republican administration under a system in which they control all the regulatory, mm. you know, entities? Point well taken. Yeah. I mean, All right. something simple like that. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we are going to weigh in on the Jason Aldean song, uh, Try That in a Small Town. On the way up, though, we're going to leave you with a different uh, small town tune by Greg Brown. From the mountains to the plains All the little towns are wrapped in chains And the little that the law allows it's your town now It's your town now Your town now Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, scope on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think it's tough. Well, try that.
Welcome back to the Found Form. Yes, that was Jason Aldean's right. song. That was, that was a song that, that nobody had town. listened to until this video comes out right. a couple, like a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly I didn't listen to it because I hate country music. Hey, a quick message. <laughs> a quick thanks to our sponsors. Uh, thanks to Catholic Peace Ministry, an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese. CPM focuses on nuclear disarmament, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, and ending the permanent war economy. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Klipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. All right, so yeah, that's uh, Jason Aldean's tune. Um, try that in a small town, a little clip from it. Um, Charles is now a big fan. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I, I lived for a long time in West Virginia, and I actually love traditional music. But country music nowadays is, as someone said, basically just rock music with a fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't have a fiddle and, and, in that one. Well, it has to be a reference to a, a dog, a pickup truck. And, and a, horrible, a woman who treated you horribly. Yeah, this one has, this one has none of that. <laughs> no. It's, yeah, and it's, um, you know, I, I was fascinated to learn that... Um, the, uh, the, the video was filmed in front of the uh, Maury County Courthouse in uh, Columbia, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. That is the uh, site of the 1927 mob lynching of uh, Henry Choate. He was an 18-year-old kid. Uh, he was accused of uh, assaulting a white girl uh, who never identified him. And that's also the site of the uh, 1946 Columbia riot, uh, race riot. Uh, that's, um, that, that riot was basically... Institute instigated by uh, by by uh, a white shopkeeper who stiffed a black customer. Anyway, uh, who a customer happened to be uh, recently returned from the uh, for World War II. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not a it's not a coincidence. Um, I don't know if you had Don Don Cusick. He's um he's a uh, music historian. Uh, he was asked, so, so, you know, is it possible that, that, jo that Jason Aldean just didn't know the history of this uh, courthouse? Nope, not possible. It's really obvious. And he says it's obviously Aldean wanted to set off a bomb, and he did it. That decision of location was not picked accidentally. So, you know. Okay, okay. I, actually, when you sent me this, I, I did a little research here. Oh, good. You know, so. I always like it when somebody does their homework. That's right. Um. It, it, this this town was also the site in the 1990s for an annual law enforcement gathering that was known for, um, you know, kind of a lot of racial slurs and whatever kind of entertainment was given. And also faux lynchings, which is all, always hysterically funny. Faux lynchings? Yeah, yeah, always hysterically what? funny. But ironically, this town was also used by woke corporation like Disney for a Hannah Montana movie. Yeah, that yes, I, I was and, aware of that. Yeah. And also, I think for, I'm trying to remember who else, li a Lifetime movie, you know, the one that I guess like all Lifetime movies are where like this woman, you know, marries a guy who's really a serial killer, you know, and <laughs> they're all the same. I hate when that happens. <laughs> but, um, so, and, and old Dean claims that he actually did not choose the site. And his production company says, that they chose the site. He did not personally choose the site. That's not to say that this isn't... Um, there's elements of this that are very troubling. I mean... Well, it, it, the, the lyrics fit in with... Well, he didn't write it. He, he's not a writer of this. This, this was written by four other people. Okay, who, well, he's saying share. It. Right. Yeah, 
Well, well, it's just like all this. It's all posturing. The guy said, is talking about this. He actually put out a statement in which he said there was no mention of race. All he was talking about that. was being, you know, was being raised in a small town. The problem was he wasn't raised in a small town. He grew up in Macon, Georgia. Macon, Georgia has 150,000 people. That's mm-hmm. not a small town. Right. So it's all posturing anyway. But what what's troubling about the video, I mean, the, the song itself is, is kind of your, your usual insipid, you know, mythical small town, right? But, and of course, I love the vigilanteism in it, you know, <laughs> which is that, you know, you better not do that in a small town because we have guns. Yeah. Right. That, that's a in nice the video, touch. In the video, there are two shots of guns. One is two guys who appear to be duck hunting. The, <laughs> I the, know. The other one... That's right. That's the correct. The other one, they appear to be more serious weapons uh, with uh, some kind of attachment to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the end of the gun. And they're walking down a road, and it's kind of shadowy. He's not quite sure what's going on, but it's not duck hunting. Right. And it, it, Rolling Stone actually did an analysis of the, of the various you know, depictions of violence. Um, in the video? In the video. None of which, of course, occurred in any small town. All these occurred either in large cities, for the most part. Or in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Well, that's the one that seems to be missing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I think... What happened was it, it's clearly it's BLM, it's violence in Georgia. The violence in Georgia, by the way, was in response to the killing of the environmental activist at Cop City, right, who was right. shot fifty-seven times by the police. And that was a white guy, right? Yeah. So um, then, two of the clips are from Canada during sort of uh, you know Antifa slash anarchist um, demonstrations against uh, G, at G twenty meetings, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, you know, it was the usual assortment of BLM, New York City, you know, looting. But the subtext of the lyrics is that it's urban people, and we all know who urban people are, right? Sophisticated guys like Dr. Charles Goldman. Well, urban people are, are people of color. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just another code for that. He, right. he knows it, and he's being disingenuous sure. when he's, of course, it's right. Well, it also, never says a race. Also Democrats. Well, Democrats and socialists, yeah, the usual, the usual villains on the right, yeah. you know, they're, and they're there to disrupt that bucolic small town mm-hmm. that, of course, has been destroyed by economic policies, you know. Some uh, of them. M- many of them attributable, yes, to, to Republican administrations. I mean, I mean, small towns are still a great place to live. If there's jobs there, well, sure, and if you have broadband, which if we waited for the Trump infrastructure to get it there, they'd be waiting into, yeah, you know, the twenty second century. But more and more people could live in small towns or are living in small towns because, you know, you don't have to be tethered to a cubicle at the corporate headquarters in Des Moines. Okay, but I I don't count the that as the people who go live in Montana who've got millions of dollars. That's, no, they're, they're not I'm living not talking in a small about them town. either. I'm not talking about them either. But, so. but what is this talking about? This video? It's terrible. I, I agree I mean, it's terrible. You know, but but I, I, think, I think it's a mistake to say, well, small towns, small towns are awful. No, it's not that. I mean, and actually the very end of the video where it shows the, uh, the, the farmer being helped by other farmers. That is correct. That's, yes. that's good stuff. The sense of commu- but, and that happens everywhere. It happens in urban neighborhoods That's as well. That's correct. And, and, and small towns are becoming more difficult to live in because of the polarization between people over you know, the politics of this country. And the, the school thing 
is also really destroying a lot of that camaraderie and care in, in these small What do you mean the school thing? You mean the privatization? Well, and also the, the fight over what books are going to be in, sure, okay, in the yeah. school and everything else. And, you know, a lot of times you've got, I mean, like the Moms for Liberty are like outside agitators. 90% of the time, nobody who's at these school board meetings has kids in the school. Yeah. Well, I don't say nobody, but the vast majority of people don't even have kids in the school. It's these agitators from, you know, Moms for Liberty, kind these of, supposed uh, grassroots. The retirement project. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, these Moms for Liberty are supposedly this grassroots movement with all sorts of crazy funding, you know, from from right-wing organizations. And so those sorts of things are really pulling small towns apart. Yeah. You know, doing it to the whole country, but obviously it's, it's going to be exacerbated in small towns. But I, I think the thing with, with this Aldine, you know, video is that it's just the usual various dog whistles from the right. You know, it's urban people. Oh, God, urban people coming. And then, of course, it's and the Democrats government, government coming blacks, to take yes. your guns. Right. That's part of it. And because we have guns, we'll get justice down here because vigilante justice is always the best kind. You know, because you don't really have to worry then about if the person was innocent, you know, which is you have to worry about when you have a court where you might, you know, have to, you know, use the death penalty as the punishment. Well, and one thing that bothers me is that a lot of the uh, most most um, high-profile Republican politicians are just, you know, they're falling all over themselves to praise Aldine, to praise this song. I mean, you know, here's a, Trump may be no surprise, of course, quote, Jason Aldean is a fantastic guy who just came out with a great new song. Support Jason all the way, mega. You know, well, it, you know, but Trump doesn't <laughs> even know who Jason Aldean is. Probably not. You know, and he just substitute the name. He'd say that whether it was Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I, I doubt yeah. he even knows what. Well, it and is. DeSantis says, "quote When the media attacks you, you're doing something right." Jason Aldean has nothing to apologize for. Of course, that's pretty self-serving because DeSantis is being attacked left and right by the media right now, <laughs> and he must be doing something right because of that, right? Well, you know, but there's an element of this too. It's kind of like Springsteen, born in the USA. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of, it's just like the school book controversy. Most of these people haven't read these books. Either somebody else told them what these books, you know, or they've read like, you know, a couple of paragraphs or they go to the, they skip the pages to the part that's supposedly pornographic. And then they say, okay, this book has no value. I mean, it was like Springsteen with Born in the USA. Born in the USA is absolutely not a song about how fantastic the United States is. Right. Listen to the lyrics of that song. Sure. Right. But because the the because the refrain is born in the USA, you know, a, a bunch of people with, you know, limited intelligence. Well, and, that's all they hear. Well, the, the, the same narrow, folk, narrow interpretation happens on the left with songs like uh, Revolution. You say you want a revolution. Well, I count me out, says John Lennon. And then he also says, you know, if, you, right. if you're going to go pitch, if you're carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you're you ain't going to make it with anybody, anybody else. else. Right. I mean, I mean, that that's a pro, that's a universal problem, not right. just but, from. But this is all the they're right. hearing. This is all right. they're hearing that he's 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 saying something great about small towns. But with Aldine's song, you don't have to worry about nuance because the whole darn thing is from one end to the other. Like you said, a dog whistle. It's it's about it's it's um, it's it's div further dividing the country, dividing people: urban versus rural, white versus black, gun owners versus those who, you know, prefer to use violence. I mean, I mean, how many people do you know who are support uh, more efforts toward racial equality, who support efforts to address poverty, who who would also support looting or throwing bombs at police or well, or, or spitting in a no, nobody nobody I know 
supports that. That's all crazy talk. Well, and, and you know, I mean, you have had some idiot intellectuals sure. who wrote books on why looting is an act of social yeah, that, protest. That's, that's like horrible. You know, yeah. and What's by the way, way, you know, you may not like burning the flag. But it's been affirmed multiple times. It's absolutely protected by the first. Yeah, Amendment. I don't like. I don't. I don't like it either. And I don't like them <clears> taking <throat> the American flag and putting Trump's face on it either. Yeah, that's that's about as, that's, <laughs> that's desecration as well. Yeah. You know. So, yes, I I I, I agree. You yeah. know, and he has the right to say this. I mean, everyone knows his politics. He's very open about his politics. You know, his wife's reaction was. There's more important news than this video, like the missing children. Oh, thank you, <laughs> missing QAnon. children. Thank you, Madame QAnon. You know, because that's missing children. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what that's what Aldine's wife said. Yeah. <laughs> I missed yeah. that one. Right. <laughs> well, because it's Q. It's QAnon. So, it's it's, uh, it's the whole thing now. The problem, yeah. you know, the problem is that this 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 sort of uh, this sort of um, I think uh, you know misuse of one's art, if I can call it that, leads to some real world problems like take shannon watts she's the founder of moms demand action that's a group that wants you know to do something about gun violence in this country she said on twitter last week that she was quote proud to have had a hand in getting uh country music television to reject jason aldean's video well that was probably a mistake because she's now receiving death threats from aldean's fans <laughs> Well, uh, one email... And she should definitely not go to a small town. <laughs> well, she should actually, because small town people are pretty decent folks. Yeah. So one, one email said, you quote, kill yourself, you terrorist. Um, you know, try to uh, riot, and, riot and try to hurt others, and then you'll get put down like the dog you are. You know, we, right, we, but... we, had, we, had a, we had a weather a weather forecaster here in Iowa. He'd only been here a couple of years. Mm -hmm. He was receiving death threats for... Um, for talking about the climate aspect of different weather events. Although the person who was sending the death threats didn't know the difference between weather and climate. Right. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't have taken that guy too seriously, but I know. Well, that know. doesn't make him any less dangerous. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe it makes him more dangerous. I don't know. No, but, but well, you know, another answer from the right, because of course they're the victims in this, is well, what about what about, you know, hip hop? Uh, yeah, exactly. Good point. Yeah, no, and that's that's a good. There's lots of really horrific, violent, you know, lyrics and songs coming from from quote that side of the political universe, and that's not. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a legitimate question, yeah. and you know, I I don't, you know, Aldean has the right to do whatever he wants. This is clearly protected speech. Whatever. Sure, you know. of course, yes. Bottom line, right? But yeah. I think he's being disingenuous to say that. Well, we're not really talking about race here. It's protected speech, but it's also dangerous. And, you know, let, let me give you a, a quick example from, from uh, Harlan, Iowa. Shelby County Fair um, recently had a parade, as all county fairs do, right? Yeah. How, never, how many vehicles are there in the quite Shelby? A few, including one of them driven by a guy uh, with a Trump sign, no problem with that, right. pulling a tractor uh, with a coffin on it saying, Hide, uh, Harris and Biden. That, that's, uh, that strikes a lot of us as going too far implying that uh, these two ought to be dead and here's where they ought to be resting. I mean, give, if you really wanted to make the point, well, put, put a rocking chair back there. But know, he, yeah, retire yeah. them into rocking chairs. Well, but we live in a time in this country where when you poll people, you know, about 25% of people or more on both sides of the political spectrum feel like the people on the other side should be dead. Yeah, That's kind of where we got. What, yeah, what percentage? About 25%. And I suspect that's I suspect that's high. Yeah. Well, but do you th you think that's true of the left as well as the right? I think so. Mm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I I feel that's probably way higher than 
Yeah, really, I mean, I, but, but you know, it's a substantial number of people. They're not saying they're going to go out and kill people, but they they just don't. Would, they, they just they feel that they are not in league with people from the other side. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, maybe Aldine has done us a service by generating an important conversation, but unfortunately, I think he's done well, more, he's harm, he's, more he's, harm than good. He got a lot of views on he. That video <laughs> yeah, got a I lot know. of views after that. I know. Yeah. But I, I, I think the whole the whole misrepresentation of legitimate movements for racial equality, for addressing poverty, you know, the, trivializing it all um, by by showing that the radical fringe is wrong. Um, yeah, and, and then for the, the other side, dismissing small towns as all a bunch of stupid places where hicks live is also wrong. It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything to bring people together. It just further divides us at a time we don't need any more division. No, and, I agree with that. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to take a short break here, folks. Charles Goldman, Ed Fallon with you here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about climate change when we come back from a short break. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks again to our sponsors, including Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, Charles, um, welcome back to the program, folks. Uh, Charles Goldman with me here, and uh, we are broadcasting from, uh, we're not under bunker, actually, but we could be in a bunker. It's so hot. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we, Kathy and I, we tend not to use air conditioning. Uh, we like fans, but right now, in order to record the program, the fans are off, and it feels a lot like uh, Phoenix right now in here. Yes, it does. Yeah. You're not going to whine, though. No. No. I mean, you know, this is... Yeah, because, uh, I mean, heat is in our future, folks, and, I, and right now in the upper Midwest, apparently the heat dome has arrived. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of concerns that people are people die because of the excessive heat. Birds die. Uh, animals die. Fish, I mean, I'm, the ocean, the, the situation with the ocean warming up, very Well, concerning. actually, what's interesting is, uh, you know, this is, this is one of the things people don't appreciate. It's kind of like the shark thing, you know. Like, everyone's worried about, like, the shark attacks that occur. 
Yeah, right? like baby shark. Right. I mean, and of course, your, your risk of dying of a shark attack is well less, many orders of magnitude less than dying from a bee sting allergy. Right. You know, and, the, and, the, and it's the same thing here. I mean, we, we know about people dying in hurricanes and people dying in tornadoes. But the biggest weather-related death, the biggest number of weather-related deaths in the United States and worldwide are related to heat. Right. And even even prior to even prior to this, that's change, correct. Yeah. So um, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, they're talking about, well, this is the hottest in recorded history that, you know, the a summer has been, you right. know, the hottest day. We break records every day a week. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is that if you look at the geologic history or the, you know, the history of the four billion year history, you know, of the earth. Or 6,000 years. Charles, the four billion the year history of the earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that, you know, the, the greatest changes in the past have been cold. Has, sure. You know, due to... Glacial activity. Right, and volcanism putting so much, you know, uh, particulates in the air that blocked the sun out and the earth became cold. Meteorite. So, yeah. The, and the, well, that, that, then the meteorite hit that wiped out the dinosaurs over a period of I miss thousands them. of years. But, um, <laughs> you know, the the earth is better suited in some ways to accommodate cold. It can recover from cold, you know, but heat is actually more difficult to deal with. And as we've said before, there's something very abnormal about this heat because we were in a very temperate period coming into the industrial revolution for the earth, both in terms of extremes of of hot and cold. And now we're absolutely no longer, you know, it's, it is now global warming. But the consequence of global warming is extremities on the other side, too, in terms of winter weather and, and things that are happening that are worrisome. Yeah. No snowfall but, I mean, it's, or it's, huge amounts of snowfall. We, we tend to focus on the temperature, the immediate impact on, on human well-being. We, we also focus on, of course, the, um, the melting of the Arctic, uh, our Arctic ice, the uh, Green, Greenland ice sheet, the Antarctic. Um, we focus on sea level rise as an impact of, uh, of a warming world, on um, on droughts, um, on fires. But we, I think we 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 haven't we rarely do we hear conversation about the impact on food. And um, well, as know, long as the stuff keeps showing up in the supermarket, that's, nobody well, that's sees the, it. Well, that's the problem. We we don't we. Uh, I think it was Wendell Berry, I believe, who said that uh, the danger of not owning a farm is believing that food comes from a grocery store and heat comes from a furnace. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets to the grocery store somehow. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, we've already seen big impacts from, uh, from climate change on, on crops. Uh, I mean, in 2018, the European heat wave, that, uh, that one uh, led to multiple crop failures. Uh, they lost about uh, 50% of, uh, some of their some of their crop yields in, in Europe, Central Europe and Northern Europe. And again, and, um, you know, just a couple of years ago in 2022 uh, in Great Britain, uh, those huge record temperatures they had then uh, wiped out a bunch of fruit and vegetable crops. Yeah, you know, well, so this just happened in Vermont when the, you know, never before flooding, flooding, right? Sure, you know, yeah. wiped out huge numbers of farms, and you know the crop is unusable, and they're yeah. not going to be able to plant on that land probably uh, much. Yeah, you know, going into the next year. Yeah, and it's not it's not just on you know on land. 
mm-hmm. life forms well, that's and agriculture. It's, it's, I mean, you know, it all kind of depends in one way or another on the oceans and on insects, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we forget about that heat dome in 2021 uh, in the North Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, Washington State, but in Canada in particular. Uh, there were uh, there was an estimated a, a billion marine animals were killed in that. That's a huge, huge, uh, huge impact. And, you know, we, you know, we're, we're going in the wrong direction and we're not going to be able to turn it around in time is my fear. But we're going to have to try to find a way to innovate our, our way out of this. And I don't think it comes with with huge mechanical investments. You know, it's a it's going to be it's it's, it's going to be a lot of uh, kind of basic uh, more primal innovations, you know, looking at the wisdom of past generations of past societies. Um, my, 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 new, my new heroes are the four kids who made it out of the Colombian rainforest after the plane crash. They mm-hmm. survived there for 40 days. Uh, they were, the oldest one in particular was very well versed in how to, you know, decide how, how to know what to eat, or how, how, what to avoid, how to get by. Mm-hmm. You know, we need that kind of wisdom if we're going to find a way to navigate through all this stuff. Well, I think, as you point out, the oceans are the crux of this, Yeah, which is that we've gotten away with this for as long as we have because the oceans are the biggest heat sink right. on the planet, and they can't tolerate much more. Um, and the rise in temperature is going to destroy the coral reefs, and that's the most you know diverse... Mm-hmm. ecosystem mm-hmm. in the ocean and without the coral it's there's no ecosystem you know I, I don't like to continually focus on on bad news but uh, I think we would be doing our listeners our audience a disservice by not talking about the crisis at hand uh, in in candid and, and, and straightforward terms and uh, we we have to begin to change our lives collectively especially but you know like you know I, I don't to me it makes I find some real satisfaction in at least trying to be that change that I want to see in the world. And we have to do that. But that has to be done in tandem with, with changing our structure, with, with, with electing the right people to do the hard work of, of, of shifting our economy to a sustainable, sustainable model that's, that, that, that uh, at the same time is going to find a way to protect us from the impacts of, of, of heat, uh, of, of, of global warming. And, you know, I'm right, right now, I mean, we're, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. Well, the, the problem with selling that has been yeah, I know. It's hard that to <laughs> um, no one wants to change their lifestyle. No one really wants to pay the tab for it. But, you know, ultimately the tab for repairing the damage that's done by weather events, such as this persistent heat dome, far exceeds oh, sure. the money you would spend mitigating it yeah. by trying to reduce you know, CO2 and methane emissions. And, you know, you also have to start doing smart things. That You know, I'm, I'm personally sick of paying taxes to rebuild houses on outer islands in the Atlantic and near beaches, you know, in, the, uh, in Florida. Or, just to or, get flooded and destroyed again and again. Or floodplains in Des Moines. And, and right. you know, insurance companies have figured that out. They're not right. insuring, They're not insuring them in California anymore. that exactly. are in fire, in fire exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the time has come that, all, it's, it, yeah, it's great that everyone wants their own house, you know. But it, 
it, it, they have to be put in places that are not going to make it likely. You can't make it, it's never make it impossible, but it's so likely that certain venues, your house is going to be destroyed yeah. and have to be rebuilt. And um, unfortunately, a lot of those places are occupied by people who have a lot of money. I mean, if you go to the intercoastal on the east side of Florida, it's all that's where the wealthy live. Yeah. Right. And so they want to be able to have their houses rebuilt on that spit of sand. That's what, like, you know, twenty feet wide or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's all got to be part of a much more comprehensive. I want to touch on one related issue that's getting some attention lately, and that's immigration. Uh, the localized impacts of climate change coupled with you know political instability and 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 economic uh, economic conditions are, are we we've seen the biggest global immigration uh migration in history uh i mean all over the world it's happening not just in this country in fact uh, in some places like in europe in particular well here too of course but in europe you're seeing some real serious pushback against uh, the waves of immigrants coming from the Mideast and in Africa. And, uh, you know, there's a, it's a good, it's an important conversation to have. I, mean, I think one, the, here in Iowa, what I want to see talked about is what happens when our population swells from 3 million to 30 million, because that's, that's where I see it going here. And, you know, there are a lot of folks who aren't going to like that. <laughs> and at some point, I mean, I, at some point there has to be uh, a realization that we have a we have we have resources and infrastructure that can accommodate population growth up to this point, and how do we how do we how do we manage that? You know, it's not the the um the, the line you hear from the left sometimes is oh all, all all immigration is good, that's not adequate. That that doesn't that doesn't address the reality of limited resources to accommodate population increases. So. You know the the other the, the of course the other side is uh, you know try to tries to paint um, paint immigration as a as a problem that uh, they'll, they'll take away our jobs. Um, there's always there's often a racial tinge to it, and um, you know somewhere somewhere along the line we have to have that conversation that uh, addresses the problem intelligently. Well, certainly, I mean there are other countries that we don't see as um, controlled by the right wing that have very well-defined and restrictive immigration policies. Japan, Korea? Now, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, that New Zealand is a perfect example of that, you know, where they are very adamant that you got to be bringing something to the table yeah. to be coming in. And it's not a racial thing. It's yeah. simply that they, they need certain things. They're, they have very specific right. categories. Talk show hosts. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, immigration. We can't be talking about it at the end of a segment because there's right. so much yeah. going on with that. But well, let, yeah. our, our immigration policies are very, are, are very. Yeah. It, you know, nobody wants to really do the hard work. And so everyone just wants to play as a political Let's football. pledge to get back to this soon because we do want to talk more about it. And yeah. we do have to take a break. Um, Charles, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Charles Goldman, folks. Uh, Ed Fallon with you back in a minute when Kathy Burns joins us to talk about a new study on dietary choices that misses the mark. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford 
and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. Kathy Burns joins me. Hello, Kathy. How are you? I'm good. Enjoying the uh, the heat dome that has now graced us here in the upper Midwest, just in time for the 500-mile bike ride across the state. It would be better if we get a little water for the crops. Yeah, tell me about it. Speaking of crops, you've been doing some research, and um, a study that got a lot of play in The Guardian has uh, has raised some concerns. Well, I think it misses a couple of marks. Uh, the title of the study is Vegans, Vegetarians, Fish Eaters, and Meat Eaters in the UK Show Discrepant Environmental Impacts. So this is obviously a, a study from the UK, published in naturefood.com, is purported to be the first study to factor in how meat is produced uh, considering the climate question. So uh, does it it talk about industrial production versus sustainable options for meat production? I I didn't dig too far into Mm. their methods, but they claim to have accounted for that. I'm going to trust that they did. That would be unusual. Usually they always assume that it's just every meat... Every meat product grown is grow is raised in some kind of factory. Well, I still think there were there were things missed. For instance, um, the recommendation coming out of this is that uh, diet leads to seventy five percent less, or plant based diets lead to seventy five percent less climate heating emissions, water pollution, and land use than meat rich diets. So right there, they're finding the the synopsis of their finding makes me wonder, well, what, why are they talking about meat-rich diets? Yeah. You know, that doesn't, uh, the, the, the recommendation was everybody needs to become a vegan. You can be much. an omnivore without having a, quote, meat-rich diet. And I, I don't think a meat-rich diet, if I, if I, when I hear that, I think most of, you know, the biggest part of your food is for meat. That's, mm-hmm. not, that's never a good idea. Well, the, the study says that low meat diets, in other words, less than 50 grams a day, had half the impact of high meat diets on greenhouse gas emissions, water pollution, and land use. However, the differences between low meat, pescatarian, and vegetarian diets were relatively small. So 50 grams is 1.7 ounces. That adds up to about 12 ounces per week of meat or three, four ounce servings of meat. That's 
probably, when we're omnivores, we probably have three small servings of meat a week. The American Heart Association defines one serving of lean meat yeah. as three ounces. Yeah. So they're not really recommending anything radical as far as a lot of omnivores, but most Americans and many people around the globe overeat meat. And that's the problem. Mm. They're not addressing the overconsumption of meat as much as the meat and they, and they were, they wrap dairy into this conversation as well, don't they? Yes, yeah, right. yeah. The uh, the Guardian says the heavy impact of meat and dairy on the planet is well known, and people in rich nations have to slash the meat consumption in order to end the climate crisis. That's a little extreme. And yeah. the study also claims that the biggest differences seen in the study was for emissions of methane, a potent greenhouse gas produced by cattle and sheep. Well some other animals too. It says they're 93% lower for vegans compared to high meat diets. And so uh, according to the EPA, of course, methane is far less of a problem in the climate equation uh, compared to carbon dioxide because CO2 is accounting for 97% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. And methane only accounts for 12%. So also breaking down the methane production, transportation accounts for 28% of that, electric power 25, industry 23, commercial and residential 13, and agriculture only 10%. Yeah. And that's all agriculture, not right. even meat production. Well, yeah, and some, and some crop production can be pretty intensive in terms of its environmental impact as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I look at, um, there's a growing movement in the U.S., maybe in England, maybe other places, to raise rabbits as a source of meat. It's a very low environmental yeah, impact I, I can't think of a source of protein that has a lower environmental impact than actually, rabbits. Actually, <laughs> actually, rabbits are on par with low environmental impact with organic pork. Okay. Because of really? pounds of meat per animal. Ah, uh, sure. And conversion of feed to to uh, but that by product. organic pork, you mean pigs that are pigs are are fed a natural diet and don't live in confinement buildings. Yes. That are yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once again, the way the meat is raised and uh, and even um, processed and uh, sometimes it's the transportation yeah. of that product to its final destination that's a bigger issue. So localized production of sustainably grown meats. Should be fine. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and of course, um, doing more than just uh, changing your diet would help too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, hey, um, Kathy, thanks uh, so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, myself, Charles Goldman, and Kathy. Thanks also to our lo- local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. And thanks to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. Remember, you can make a difference, folks. Uh, go to the Fallon Forum website, check out our page, and see what you can do to help out. Thanks also to the Des Moines Irish Session for our bumper music. And remember, we'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.